jealous God. It's because God knows that when you and I and any person worships a false God, that we are getting the short end of the stick. We are not getting the best for our lives. And God, if he's not jealous for us in a healthy way, it means he doesn't care about us. So God's jealousy is not some sort of precarious flying off the handle. He can't control his emotions. God's jealousy is rooted in the deepest of love and desire for our flourishing. If God said we could just worship any God, would he really love us? Today, Pastor Daniel answers that question as he takes us through the first part of the Ten Commandments. We have a tendency to worship other gods like money, work, education, so many other things. God is jealous, and not jealous like the way we usually think of that word. He wants our hearts, minds, and attention because he loves us and knows what's best for us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Ten Commandments. This is one tree, right? On one prohibition, Satan comes and says, man, God's ripping you guys off. If you eat it, you'll be like him. And what happened? They were like, well, I don't want to miss out. So they ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you know what's amazing? Humanity became self-conscious at that moment. How do we know? What did they notice? They were naked. All of a sudden, they became self-aware. And in a human's understanding that they're self-aware, we have a God complex right there. Right there. Because now all of a sudden, you notice if someone likes you or doesn't like you gives you what you want or doesn't give you what you want. And so each one of us in our struggling against sin, it's always because we want what we want in opposition to what God wants for us. And most often, the idol in our own heart is ourselves. And know what's amazing about that? No matter what culture you're in, no matter what generation, I could have said this, I'm saying this now, if I lived 3,000 years ago and said the same thing, it's still true. Read, read, World history, human history, over and over again, it's people struggling with wanting to be the center of the universe. And every single war, every single bit of human tragedy, I mean, I mean, think about it. Where the rubber meets the road. What, 7 billion people on the earth? 2.4 billion of them live on less than a dollar a day? And we, we could see the pictures. We don't even bat an eye about it right? We don't even think about it. Now, I hope that makes you struggle a little bit, right? Like, we have an obesity epidemic, but one-third of the world's population is starving to death. It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. And we're so used to it being that way that we don't think twice about it, but we should. Because if we loved as God loved, we'd say, you know, we're going to find a way to fix that. And you know what's amazing? If we really decided we wanted to fix it, we would. We would. So in each one of our hearts, there's that God problem. Now, all through the Bible, we get all these different gods that pop up, like the god Baal, 
And Baal's characteristic was power. A lot of us wouldn't bow the knee to Jesus because we want our own power. The god Ashtoreth was signified by sex and sexuality. Huge thing. I mean, our culture definitely has a sexuality idol. Without a doubt. The god Mammon was, of course, the love of money. The love of money. So, the first commandment, no other gods, only him. He gets the first billing. Now, once you move into the New Testament, Jesus starts saying some very aggressive things. And it's interesting, I, I have a friend who has not put his faith and trust in Jesus. I grew up with him. And uh, he gets really frustrated when he wants to try and slap me around with my faith in Jesus. He always pulls these verses out. Because he said, oh, how can you believe in Jesus when Jesus would say something like this? And so I'll just, re- I'll read it to you. This is Luke 14, 26 to 28. And it's true. Jesus is saying some really wild stuff here. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? And he's like, man, how could you believe it? Jesus said you should hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your wife, hate your children, hate your family, hate yourself. And he thinks that that's like his way of like sticking it to me, like you silly Christian man. But what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the first commandment. You can't have any other God, not even yourself, he says. If you love yourself more than you love Jesus, then you are not worthy of me, he's saying. He's just reiterating the first commandment. But let's be honest. When we read that, that should make us a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Are we willing to trust God and love God more than our spouse, more than our parents, more than our kids? You know what's interesting? Our culture doesn't value that kind of teaching. They would say it's bad for self-esteem. But if you read the research, all the self-esteem training isn't helping anybody. Why? Because entitlement is everywhere. Kids just think, hey, I'm alive, so just give me a smile, a million bucks, and let me do whatever I want to do. People come out of college and they expect that they should be the CEO, even though they never even lifted a finger. And, and the research is coming out. Why? Because we don't teach people that, listen, you are not the center of the universe. You're not. And know what happens when you, when you think you are and nobody else realizes it? You're just miserable. It's true. I mean, how many of us have been in relationships with people where you just can't understand why it's just not all about you? And you're like, wow, they're so selfish. And the reason they're selfish is because they're not all about you because you're being selfish. And I'm not talking down on anyone because I do the same thing. Well, what about me? Right? We're all struggling with the first commandment. Because the first commandment is God gets the top building. Why? Now you might say, well, why is God so narcissistic then? Why does God need the top building? Because God knows that he is ultimate reality. He is the only one worthy of worship. And if you put God first, then you can really love your spouse. And you can really love your kids. And you can really love your parents. And you can really have a healthy self-image. That's what the Bible teaches. You might say, well, how is that possible? Now think about this. 
if God is first, you're going to have the healthiest self-image. Why? Because when you love God, God is really honest with us, which means first that we were totally created in his image, which is super cool. It's really amazing that God created you and I in his image after his own likeness. That humanity is the crowning jewel of creation. Doesn't mean that it's the only thing he cared about. Everything that God made, he said it was good. When God created humanity, he said it's very good. There's something special about humanity. So humanity is God's special kids. But in the same way, humanity is fatally flawed. We have that sin nature. And what's great about the Lord is that the Lord does not want us to pretend like it's not there. He says, look, you're special, but you're also got some issues. And that's honest. That's honest. See, self-esteem training says you're special. You're special. You can do anything you want. I'll be honest. I didn't like that teaching growing up at all. Because all I ever wanted to be was a center on a basketball team. And I know standing up here, I look a lot tall. I love it. I meet you guys in the family room. You're like, Pastor Dan, you're a lot shorter than you look on stage. And I'm like, well, I got four feet, you know, and I'm on these 20, 50-inch screens or whatever. I look, I look like Dwight Howard on steroids. You know? I always wanted to be a center in basketball, but I'm, I'm literally five foot seven. And I, the only way I can play center is if I'm playing Obadiah's first grade class. And then I got some big ups. But other than that, I'm, you know, I'm not even guard size. I mean, I'd be lucky on my side if I could be a water boy on a basketball team. So telling me I can do whatever I want when I'm five foot seven is just not very fair. You set me up for ultimate failure. Because you can't really do anything you want. You can do anything that God has empowered and created you to do. And nothing more. Do you see? So Jesus starts talking about these things. And he starts saying these things because he's pushing them to remind them. to say, listen, if you value anything more, anything more than God, then you're not worthy of God. Because God, if he is God, is the only one who deserves to be worshipped. So if we're going to apply the first commandment now, for each one of us, do we have things or people that we place before God? Is there something that if God were to ask you to do something that you would say no? Like the rich young ruler, if God asked you to sell everything and give it to the poor and follow him, would you say no? That answer is yes. Then you've broken the first commandment. You have an idol. If God would say to you, listen, I'm going to take your spouse home because it's his time or her time, If that would make you angry at God, then you have an idol. I hate saying it, but a child. It's a hard teaching. It's a hard teaching, but it's it's a true teaching. We all should go through lives with open hands like this and say, Lord, my life is yours. And whatever you're going to do, Lord, I'm going to praise you just the same because you're God. And your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And God, for the time I get with people or with material provision and the time that I don't have, either way, I came into this world naked and I'm leaving the same way. And anything I get to enjoy along the way was a gift. We have to be careful because all of us break the first commandment all the time. 
all the time. It's part of who we are. And that's why we believe in Jesus. Because, because we break the first commandment, we end up breaking all the rest of them. Look at the second commandment, verse 4. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate him, showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. Now, just as the first commandment was only God, now it's no images, no idols. Now, in that culture, now, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, says almost the exact same thing. It's almost verbatim, word for word, in the retelling. So the first commandment was against worshiping false gods. Now, the second commandment is against worshiping the true God in a false way. Do you see that? The first commandment is don't worship false gods. The second commandment is worshiping the true God in a false way. Now, in that culture, of course, it was very, very common for people to worship statues and animals. The Egyptians had the sun god, the river god, the frog god, all these things. Now, we don't do a lot of that in America, but if you travel outside of, of our borders, you'll see a lot of that. A lot of that. Like, I've, been, I've done missionary work in India. You go into an Indian temple there, and there are statues in there. You know, people are starving, but they won't eat a cow because the cow is sacred. So it's very common in, in uh, cultures that aren't enlightenment-minded. But it's interesting that in America, in a lot of ways, our biggest idol is, is our intellect and our materialism. More people bow down and serve materialism and their own thought processes than anything else. But it's interesting here that God, being the true God, desires to be worshipped in spirit and in truth. That's exactly what Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 24. Now, it's interesting. In Israel's history, you have the golden calf incident, which we'll see in Exodus 32. Jeroboam set up idols in 1 Kings 12. So we have a lot of those. Now, it's interesting that God self-authenticates himself in the book of Isaiah, speaking about idols and statues. Let me read this to you. Isaiah 44, verses 15 and 19. Then it shall be for a man to burn, for he will take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied and even warms himself and says, ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, deliver me for you're my God. They do not know nor understand for he has shut their eyes so that he cannot see and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers in his heart, nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire. Yes, I have also baked bread on its coals. I have roasted meat and eaten it. And shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? What he's saying here is that worshiping a statue, an idol, it's illogical. It's illogical because when you worship something that has no control over the future, 
It just doesn't make any sense. So idolatry is a big problem. Now, it's interesting because this verse, you notice why God wants to be worshipped in a very specific way. Notice what he says here. He says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, if you were to listen to Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey would tell you the reason she left her Christian upbringing was because of this verse. Because why would God be a jealous God? And when you think of a jealous God, right, you think of like, like an, ir- an irrational jealousy between like a husband and a wife where so-and-so is just insecure and they're freaking out, right? And, and so these, these crimes of passion, these crimes of jealousy. But see, God's jealousy is not based in irrationality or a lack of self-control. God's jealousy is for our well-being. So let me give you an example. You guys know I'm a married man. I love my wife. Now, if my wife came home and said, Daniel, guess what? I'm in love with another man. Right? Now, if I took out a gun and shot her, that would be jealousy run amok. That's sin. But if I looked at her and said, listen, I'm your husband, and you're not going to love any other man, I'm going to win your heart back. That's jealousy, but it's healthy. It's rooted in love, not in deficiency. And so the reason God is a jealous God is because God knows that when you and I and any person worships a false God, that we are getting the short end of the stick. We are not getting the best for our lives. And God, if he's not jealous for us in a healthy way, it means he doesn't care about us. So God's jealousy is not some sort of precarious, flying off the handle, he can't control his emotions. God's jealousy is rooted in the deepest of love and desire for our flourishing. Just the way in a marriage, there should be a healthy jealousy in a marriage. We shouldn't be laissez-faire about the heart of our spouses. We should very much care how they are, where they're at, what they're doing. Why? Because we love them and we want God's best for them. And that's a healthy jealousy. We live in a culture where people are married, like, oh, yeah, they can do whatever they want. As long as they don't bring it home, I'm fine. That's not love. That's a business relationship. That's what it is. It's not love. So there is a place for jealousy in love. But when we think of jealousy, we think of someone flying off the handle. So you have to realize that God's jealousy is part of his perfections. If God wasn't jealous for you, so jealous for you that he'd send his own son to die for you, then he doesn't really love you. And if God is just like, listen, you can worship whatever you want. I don't care. He doesn't love you. So God's jealousy is part of his perfections. And so God is saying, look, I want you to worship me in the right way. I want you to worship me in the right way. Now, what's interesting about this, and I'm going to close here, is that this second commandment, how does God want you and I to worship him now? By believing in Jesus. That's how God wants to be worshiped. He wants all people to believe in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. That's John 14, 6. The way we worship God today is by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Why? Because that is the only way to have a relationship with him. Because of the sin nature, because of our breaking of the first commandment, because of our proclivity to worship other gods or to say, listen, my God is this. When I attain this level of status or this or that or this BMI body weight or whatever your thing is, everyone's got something. 
God is saying, look, you worship me by believing in the one I sent to die for you. And you worship me by following him, the lamb of God. And so brothers and sisters, if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, today's your day. You need to do it today. You need to start that process today. It's a path. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus is just, it's, it's like getting up to the starting line. And then you spend your whole life following him, learning what it means to follow him. But you know, people say all the time, well, I believe in God, I don't believe in Jesus. I'm like, well, then you don't believe in God. Because Jesus said, if you believe in God, you'll believe also in me. So I challenge, if someone's in here, I know, I'm sure there is. I believe in God, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. You need to ask God if he wants you to believe in Jesus. Because if you believe and say, God, I believe in you, am I supposed to believe in Jesus? And I guarantee you, you're going to come back with a yes. And you will put your faith and trust in Jesus. But for those of us who have already put our faith and trust in Jesus tonight, we still have to do battle against the first and second commandment. We have to deal with our desires to break that. The reason we do X, Y, and Z is because we want to have other things. We have pleasure as a God before God. We have status. We have whatever it is, accumulation of wealth, whatever your thing is, sensuality, the pursuit of information. There's a million things. We all do it. Our hearts are wired to do it. And once we put our faith and trust in God and in Jesus, we have to make sure we worship him in the way that he's prescribed. We got to make sure that we don't worship the true God in a false way by erecting some sort of an idol. And that is very easy to happen when you go to church because sometimes you say, yeah, I go to church every week, so that makes me following Jesus, or I tithe, or I serve in kids' ministry. And all those things are great, but none of those things are actually walking with God. Those will be an outgrowth of walking with God. So we have to be careful that we don't erect the self-salvation plan apart from simply the finished work of Jesus in our lives. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, I have to be careful that every time I don't stand up in this pulpit, I'm not in on a self-salvation plan. I save myself by preaching a good sermon. How many likes I get on Facebook? You know, don't we do that? Our hearts are fickle that way. But God has prescribed that we worship only him and the only way to worship him is to trust in the finished work of his son. And that alone, not Jesus plus I worship on this day or that day. Not Jesus plus I subscribe to this, these secondary doctrines that someone taught me that the words don't even show up in the Bible. None of that stuff. Just Jesus. Just Jesus. Just the cross and resurrection of Jesus. That's the good news. And you know what's amazing? That's really hard just to stay there, isn't it? And just respond to Jesus every single day because he's real. Jesus is real. Today, Pastor Daniel explained what God means when he says he's a jealous God. God knows when we're worshiping idols, we're missing out on him. He's not unhinged. He's loving. God wants you to flourish, but we have to put our faith and trust in Him. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. 
Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue with his message entitled Ten Commandments. We think we know what it means to follow God, but this message will challenge your understanding of God's laws. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series entitled Sinai. Until then, may God bless. Real Radio.